make sure you understand that God's prosperity program is not about just getting money. Um, God wants you to be a wealth builder. We've talked about that. Um, God's prosperity program um, is a covenant. And, and that covenant or that contract, we're familiar with contract, it has terms. And that term says that there must be a part that you have played. So God's prosperity plan is a covenant. You have a part to play. And until your part is played, God will not be committed to what it is that you're trying to do. You have a part that you have to play. And so, uh, so, so far, we've talked a lot about what God wants you to have. I mean, you know, it's unlimited in scope. You know, what shook me there are certain things during this series that have shaken me. And one of those was when I was sitting on my bed. I can't even explain what came into the room. And whatever came into the room was to let me know that a million dollars is not the standard of wealth for the kingdom of God. And begin to show me that for us, a million dollars is the same as $50. You are the ones that have set that limit. And it just, it just changed my scope of things. It just made me, it was like all fear concerning what I could have just left the room, you know, because sometimes we kind of set this million dollar and, you know, does the Lord really want me to have that when he never set that standard in the first place? We did, you know, we've talked about how making a vision board is important and how Habakkuk says to write the vision down and make it plain so he may run it, readeth it. What's so powerful about a vision board is it f makes you focus and committed to looking at the same thing, believing the same thing and saying the same thing and expecting the same thing. You never get off. That's what's so powerful about a vision board. And we said we needed to make it plain because whatever you are receiving or whatever you have prayed for and you have believed you have received it, this is what you are broadcasting towards heaven like a Batman signal. And whatever that signal says, that's what's coming. So you must make it clear. And you must believe that you receive it. You know, I stopped. Uh, never mind. And um, you must believe you receive it when you do. We, we talked about that. So. So I kind of sense, you know, we didn't, we didn't, how I many, you know, we didn't got our caps pulled back, as we say, and got our wigs rocked concerning, you know, people upset, you know, how many of you have been like me? Like, if I had known this when I came out the womb, I'd be sitting next to the Prince Harry right now. I mean, I'm just, I mean, there's some things for me that have been quite sobering and you know, one, I'm trying to kind of recover from it emotionally um, in regards to what scared me is how blind we can be to answers that are right around us. And we never engage it because the masses don't roll that way. And in order for you to accomplish anything, you're going to have to be different. You're going to have to do things different. You're going to have to say things different. You're going to have to believe different. You're going to have to do everything different than the cultural norm. You're going to have to do some things that others don't do so that you can have some things that others don't have. So I kind of sense where the Lord has taken us to is now starting to get over into the details of what we call uh, prosperity, uh, things that rob you of your prosperity. We've talked about how to produce it, how to make it come supernaturally. That's what we kind of focus on. But now what we're going to start moving over over into is at least for the next couple of weeks is what we call prosperity killers as well as sharing the testimonies of people who are starting to get manifestation to kind of show us what God is willing to do, what God will not do, um, et cetera. So I want you to look at something. We're going to kind of answer three questions tonight in regards to one of the things that can slow your prosperity down. One of the things that can slow your prosperity down is you being slow. 
Um, one of the things that can slow your prosperity down is you having a mentality of laziness. Um, let me say this now. What God does not want you to do, in other words, what you should be doing if you never got a million dollars is the exact same thing he would want you to do if you got a million dollars. This is what most people would do if they got a million dollars. They would get the million dollars. They would immediately pay off their house, maybe buy another one, pay off their car, maybe buy a couple couple cars. They would pay off all of their debts, maybe. They go on a shopping spree. They would definitely go on vacation, you know. And for most people, honestly, they'd burn through the money really, really fast. They'd burn through the money really, really fast, okay. Um, one of the things that they would forget is the possibility of maybe you should sort of, if you get a million dollars, the first thing you should ask, first question you should ask for anything, how much tax do I have to pay? So a good safe rule of thumb is to think around 35%. And that's if you plan on using the money. Now, if you took the money and invested it, that will be a different thing. But if you're going to take the money and use it, you need to think off the top, I might have to pay up to 35% in taxes on this money. Most people forget about that. And they burn through the money, but guess what? The government still wants their part. So there are things that you need to know about mentality, and, uh, and we're going to be covering those. And one of these is in regards to God's mentality of you having a domination attitude. We're going to read this. Now, uh, I want you to understand something about Joshua. Most of you know who Joshua is. He served Moses for 40 years, um, and he ended up doing what Moses and the children of Israel could not do, the next generation. They ended up taking over all of his property. And um, and we're picking up the story here after Joshua has destroyed all of the kings and the armies in what you call the southern kingdom or the southern region of the Middle East. Joshua 10, 40 through 43. It says, so Joshua conquered the whole region, the kings and the people of the hill country, the Negev, the western foothills and the mountain slopes. He completely destroyed everyone in the land, leaving no survivors, just as the Lord God of Israel has commanded. Joshua slaughtered them from Kadesh Barnea to Gaza and from the region around the town of Goshen up to Gibeon. Joshua conquered all these kings and their land in a single campaign. For the Lord, the God of Israel, was fighting for his people. Then Joshua and the Israelite army returned to their camp at Gilgal. So this is a region of the Middle East that he completely dominated. They went in, killed everybody, fought wars, took all of their prosperity, killed all of the people, and then took over their land because the Lord said, that was your inheritance. They live in it what belonged to you. Okay, now, so after this, then he went into another section. We'll pick up in Joshua chapter 11. I'm going to read this up to verse 23, all to bring out one scripture that proves mentality. So follow me. Joshua 11, 1 through 23. When King, now, now when King Jabin of Hazar heard what had happened, that is Joshua destroying this whole region, he sent messages to the following kings. Now, this is another lesson here. When you win one war, the next one will be harder. Now, watch this. I shouldn't say that. Let me rephrase that. When you win the first war, the second war will be bigger, but it could be easier based on your mentality. Thank you. I had to backtrack that. It's not that it's harder. Okay, so you win the first war. What's coming next is bigger than the first one. What's coming the third time is bigger than the second one. What's supposed to happen is the bigger they get, the easier they fall. That's why David so easily slew Goliath because he had already had the lion and he had already had the bear. So his mentality was that of God was, let me tell you something. 
Dominate is a tagline that the Holy Ghost gave us because one thing about Christianity, God always wanted to teach his sons and daughters how to dominate everything, including the whole planet. Okay, so when this king heard what happened, he sent messages to the following kings. King Jobab of Madon, the king of Shimron, the king of Akshaph, of the kings of the northern hill country, the kings in the Jordan Valley south of Galilee, the kings in the Galilean foothills, the kings of Naphoth Dor on the west, the kings of Canaan, both east and west, the kings of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Parasites, and the Jebusites in the hill country. And the Hivites and the towns on the slopes of Mount Hermon and the land of Mizpah. That's another point that you need to understand is that if you win the first war, folk that are similar to them will then gang up with one another because they're actually afraid of you. Y'all see what they did the first time? Okay, we need to come together and reinforce ourselves. All these kings came out to fight. Their combined armies formed a vast horde. And with all their horses and chariots, they covered the landscape like the sand on the seashore. The kings joined forces and established their camp around the water near Merom to fight against Israel. Then the Lord said to Joshua, don't be afraid of them. By this time tomorrow, I will hand all of them over to Israel as dead men. See, the, the, see, the other thing is, is that the bigger the issues get, the faster you're supposed to be able to destroy them. Then you must cripple their horses and burn their chariots. So Joshua and all his fighting men traveled to the water near Merom and attacked suddenly. Now, you know, when the Lord give you a word, that's not the time to wait. And the Lord gave them victory over their enemies. The Israelites chased them as far as greater Sidon and Misrephoth, Maine, and eastward into the valley of Mizpah until not one enemy was left alive. When God tells you to kill something, he means for you to kill it. Then Joshua crippled the horses and burned all the chariots as the Lord had instructed. Joshua then turned back and captured Hazar and killed its king. Hazar had at one time been the capital of all these kingdoms. The Israelites completely destroyed every living thing in the city, leaving no survivors. Not a single person was spared. And then Joshua burned the city. Joshua slaughtered all the other kings and their people, completely destroying them, just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded. But the Israelites did not burn any of the towns built on mounds except Hazor, which Joshua burned. The Israelites took all the prosperity and livestock of the ravaged towns for themselves. But they killed all the people, leaving no survivors. As the Lord had commanded his servant Moses. So Moses commanded Joshua. And Joshua did as he was told. That's a whole lesson right there. About the younger generation doing what they are told. Only reason why Joshua could inherit certain things. Because he did what he was told. The Bible does not say he, was, he did what God told him. It said he did what Moses told him. We'll get to it in a second. Carefully obeying all the commands that the Lord had given Moses. <laughs> so Joshua conquered the entire region, the hill country, the entire Negev, the whole area around the town of Goshen, the western foothills, the Jordan Valley, the mountains of Israel, and the Galilean foothills. The Israelite territory now extended all the way from Mount Halak, which leads up to Seir in the south, as far north as Baal Gad at the foot of Mount Hermon in the valley of Lebanon. Joshua killed all the kings of those territories, waging war for a long time to accomplish this. 
No one in this region made peace with the Israelites except for the Hivites of Gibeon. All the others were defeated for the Lord hardened their hearts and caused them to fight the Israelites. So they were completely destroyed without mercy as the Lord had commanded Moses. During this period, Joshua destroyed all the descendants of Anak who lived in the hill country of Hebron, the beer, Anab, and the entire hill country of Judah and Israel. <clears throat> he killed them all and completely destroyed their towns. None of the descendants of Anak were left in all the land of Israel, though some still remained in Gaza, Gath, and Ashdod. So Joshua took control of the entire land same way you need to take control of your finances just as the Lord had instructed Moses he gave it to the people of Israel as their special possession dividing the land among the tribes so the land finally had rest from war this one man was called to destroy everybody to give prosperity to his people okay now the Bible says that he had already already destroyed and conquered the southern kingdom and then here it says that when these kings found this out, they said, oh, we need to band together because this dude is a wrecking ball. And they said they got all of these kings. And it says that if you looked at it, it looked like sand on the seashore. I mean, you know, that's a lot of people. That's a whole lot. They got destroyed in <laughs> crazy. So, but it says that Joshua was in long war over a period of time. Now, y'all read the same passage that I did. It says that he was in long war and it said he won every war. He completely conquered, not cities, he conquered regions. He was in long for, for a long time. How many of you believe that? When you've been fighting like that for a long time, it's time to retire. Joshua 13.1. Now Joshua was old and stricken in years. And the Lord said unto him, you are old and stricken in years, but there remains yet very much land to be possessed mentality dominate until your last breath age has nothing to do with it your previous results have nothing to do with the future results that I have for you God said I recognize that you're old and you're trying to retire I recognize that you've been fighting for a long time Joshua kind of probably has the attitude Lord you know, I've been winning for a long time now. It's just time to rest. No, you don't know. We don't rest in the kingdom of God. We win, period. I mean, I want you to think about that. He didn't say, I know you're old now. I mean, no, I mean, God agree with him. Yeah, you are old and well stricken in age. That means you old, y'all. You know, stricken ain't a good word. You know what I mean? I got struck by lightning. I'm stricken with this disease. That are, those are not good terms. He said, you are old and well stricken. I agree. He said, and he didn't say, but you know. In these last few days, I just got a couple more cities I need you to take over. He said, but I still have much more for you to dominate in your old age. Much more for you to dominate. So you see this pattern in scripture. There is no level with God. It did not say I will take you from glory to glory until you reach the top. He didn't say I will increase you more and more until you get to a million dollars. He didn't say your path will get too, will get brighter and brighter until you need a pair of sunglasses and it's too bright. Those statements are always open-ended because there's no end. It's just always open to more. Okay? And so kind of where the body of Christ, and I shouldn't even say the body of Christ, 
But kind of where people are stuck now is if I can just get this, then I can rest. If I can just get this bill paid, if I can just get this need met, when actually you're supposed to have a mentality of domination until your last breath. And then your last breath, you're supposed to say, kids, take it to the next level. I'm out and I'll see you on the other side. That's the Bible said Abraham. It said Abraham died in good, full old age. It says he was full and completely blessed and completely satisfied. And he died with his kids standing around him and he gave him a prophecy before he checked out. <laughs> That's how you're supposed to do it. Okay. So, so I'm, I'm trying to get you to understand that's the mentality of God. So that's what I mean by when the Lord came to me and said, okay. So, and so this answers the question about, well, kind of like what, what some people do is, is that they, they kind of drop natural things. They just engage the supernatural trying to get this one amount. Because in your mind, if I can just get that one amount, now I can rest for the rest of my days. If I can get $1 million, if I can get $5 million, then I can leave my job. I can go off on them and say, you will never see me again as long as you live and go home and chill. And that is not the mentality of the kingdom of God. And so sometimes you are slowing your prosperity down when you're showing the keys in the kingdom that you would be lazy with money. Okay, with money, you're supposed to work harder with them. It's about working. It's about taking that and then increasing it. It's working principles so that you can increase. The kingdom of God is all about increase so that you can help people. <clears throat> so, so we're going to just read these again. First Peter chapter one, verse three through four. It says, all praise to God, the father, of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. Pure, undefiled, beyond the reach of K and change of decay. Okay. So the first lesson, we finished that one. That is, y'all understand the principle of mentality. God is not quick to give you a bunch of stuff. Now guess what? God will give you things based on your faith. But he may try to get your attention a little bit because of your mentality. It's never the thing. It's what you would do when you get the thing. Always remember that. Okay. Always remember that. <clears throat> so that's the first one. The second one is getting you into the frame of mind of what the Lord shared with me in regards to being a wealth builder and leaving an inheritance for your children. So I'm a, in this passage, it says, now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled beyond the reach of decay. So, so I, one of the things I want to get you to see is, is that uh, God expects his children to do in a smaller version what he himself is doing. And that's why with some of you, particularly some of you that did this Sunday too, you all that got smaller kids, let me tell you something. This is the one thing financially between last week, today, and what I shared this weekend. If you put this thing to practice, whew, you'll be so much far ahead of us. A lot of us that made mistakes. I'm still, I'm still upset. 
I'm really am. I'm serious. I mean, there. You know, I'm, I'm the main one to preach. You know, rise about the bed of ashes. God is forgiving you, cleansing from all unrighteousness. Ain't nothing you can do about the past. But sometimes you just need to have a pity party and just stink for a minute and just like, I cannot believe the blindness that I walked in. You know why? Because you get to chasing the problem. You get to, and, and you never stop. And you, you're letting money control you, and you never stop and take control. And, and it doesn't help when we don't get it in our educational institutions, we don't get it at church, and we don't get it from our family members, so we're kind of left to our own. And this specific word is for the Lord encouraging us that why he will restore you so quickly. So let me get to my point. Because God has an inheritance for you, and your heavenly father's inheritance for you on the other side, no price tag can be put on it. So if you add up every building, every house, every car, every computer, every television, add up all the silver, all of the gold, all of the money in planet Earth, it still would not equal. It, you could not. It still couldn't pay for just what God has for one individual. And that's really hard to comprehend. Revelations 21, 7. He that overcometh shall inherit how many things? All. Here's the problem. We don't know how much all is. When listen, re, look, listen look, look at that again. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Well, all we know that exists is the universe. We don't know what is beyond the any of y'all ever seen heaven? Any of y'all seen it through your telescope at twelve o'clock midnight when the sun was angled at the No. We don't even know what heaven is like. We don't know what is beyond. I told you my personal opinion is that what we call the universe is the basement concerning what God has created. It's the lowest thing. And that right there is mind blowing because they said there are more universes than people that have been born. Not planet universes. So when he said he that overcome and share inherit all things, I'm trying to get you to see that God's mentality is a father. And this would also include a mother, a father's main responsibility is to create an inheritance for the ones that come behind him, his children. And most of us have not done that, but I'm going to show you why the Lord is going to help you for you all that's willing to jump in that. Ephesians 1.14. We already said this. This is always embarrassed because that, 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 the inheritance is so, so priceless that the spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised us. Okay? And we put up there that the definition of guarantee is a down payment, a pledge, part of the purchase money or property given in advance as security for the rest. Or you know the term earnest money. How many of you know the down payment on the car was much smaller than the price of the car? The down payment on the house was much smaller than the price of the house. So why are they calling the Holy Ghost a much smaller thing concerning what God is going to give us on the other side? That right there is just, you, you can cancel the whole Bible right there. The Holy Ghost is the down payment for the greater stuff that you're going to receive on the other side. Proverbs 13, 22. Good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren, but the sinner's wealth passes to the godly. We're not seeing that that often because of the very things that I'm teaching. I mean, you know, we're about to change that. I'm about to get everybody's stuff. I might turn around and take my own stuff for myself. I'm taking so much stuff. Okay. Good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren. It's a, it's, a, it's a given that God's prosperity plan was supposed to put you in a position where you had, you had, you had amassed so much 
that you were able to leave your children some, but based on what you left your children, they could already start working on the grandchildren. See that? Hey. Everybody say that's mean. Second Corinthians twelve fourteen. This one is very important. Now for the third time, this is the amplified version. Now for the third time, I am ready to come to visit you and I will not burden you financially for it is not your money that I want, but you for children are not duty bound to lay up store for their parents, but parents for their children. Now, when the Lord, now the Lord brought this scripture to my attention when, let me see, it was me, Devon, Mike Lundy, and Jamal. We were talking Sunday, and you know, that, that it's very dangerous for Christians to start fellowshipping and talking. Because the Bible says iron sharpens iron, and you get to fellowshipping, and, and then the Holy Spirit, it's a mysterious how that works. You get to fellowshipping, and you get to revelating, as we say, and then the Holy Ghost will drop something. And so they're talking, and I told them, I said, y'all just sat up here and gave me my sermon for Wednesday. You ask them. I told them, I said, y'all, us talking, Holy Spirit just gave me my sermon for Wednesday. So as they were talking, God dropped this scripture, because we were talking about this. God dropped this scripture on the inside of me, and he said, he said that the rule of the kingdom, the will of the kingdom, and the principle of the kingdom, and the mindset of the kingdom is that children do not lay up wealth for the parents. But the parents lay up wealth for the children, which is why I personally, as your heavenly father, have laid up so much wealth for you all on the other side. And then this is what dropped me. He said, and because that is the will of God, it does not matter how many mistakes you have made in the past. And it does not matter if you haven't saved up a dime for your children or grandchildren. For those who will start now, even if they're 70, I will drive them fast because that's the will of God. In other words, it's the will of God. That's the mentality of God for you to leave something up for your children. So if you start saying, I haven't done a thing, but you start now with $5, God will then speed up your recovery process. And he will restore you to bring to pass what he wanted you to bring to pass from the beginning. Okay. So get out of this thing of, I haven't done nothing for 20 years. Because let me tell you something, when God, how many of all, I, I didn't get a chance to do this. I said, maybe I'll wait this for Saturday. But do a Bible study on all of the scriptures that talk about restoration. And I said, I will restore the years <laughs> that y'all have wasted time. I will restore the years that the canker worm and all of these other bugs in scripture are represented as prosperity stealers. The reason for that is we back then you're dealing with an agricultural society. So if you got fruit trees and you got strawberry trees and you got apple trees and you got pear trees and you got greens and you got beans and you got all of those different type of things, well, what steals that prosperity is when animals come into the field and bugs are eating on the leaves. So that's why God says, I will restore to you what the bugs. Well, we got different bugs today. Okay, our bugs today is ignorance, our bugs today are debt. Our bugs today of lack of education. My mother never told me this. The schools we went to want to keep you in the system and they don't teach you how to become a millionaire. The churches are not really talking to anything except for ties and all friends. You know what I'm saying? Those are the worms that have eaten up our stuff today. So God says, I recognize that bugs been eating your stuff since you've been born, but I'll restore all of that once you get your mind right. Because with God, 
Woo, can you imagine? See, with God, it doesn't matter how old you are. With Joshua, he said, Psh, dude, I mean, I'm, let me tell you something. If Joshua had been winning for 40 years and it was still much more stuff to gain, how much more stuff would have been to gain if he had been losing for 40 years? <laughs> Maybe I didn't say that correctly. If Joshua, I, I, had a, I thought I had a deep moment. I thought it was going to say amen. And they was looking like, I looked at their face and was just like, I said, oh, man, flat joke, flat joke. This, how many of you know, if Joshua had not won any one of those wars for 40 years, it wouldn't have been because it wasn't the will of God. It would have been maybe that he didn't know what he was doing. So after, if he had a failed for 40 years, he might have thought, well, you know, it's too late now, but God never changes his mind. The only reason why Joshua had to fight those wars is because the man he was under and the previous group didn't have the mentality to do it. Because 40 years prior, when they were uh, freed out of the land of slavery, God told them, go take over the land right now. Go back and read the story. I'm going to just give it to you in short form. He told them, y'all to slavery, go take over the land. This is the inheritance that I have for you. And it says, Moses said, okay, before we go take over this land, we're going to send 12 spies into the land. He said, come back, spy the land out so we don't just run up and nearly-willy because we've been in slavery for 400 years. We need to see what new technology, it's kind of like getting out of jail, what technology has changed. See, before we could just rob a bank with some, with some axes, you know, but now we got to have some guns. You know what I'm saying? I'm just being a little facetious there. Go spy the land. And it says that they sent how many spies? 12. And it says they spied out the land. And this is what they came, came back and said. They said, the land is exactly the way God said. This is the best land in planet Earth. They said, there's only one problem. They said, there are giants in the land. Like God didn't know that when he uh, sent you up in there. Yeah, let me tell you, breaking news alert, commercial break. God never sends you a place where there are no enemies. Never. Does not happen. Only time God will send you a place where there are no enemies is if you've already been fighting the enemy and you just need some rest. But besides that, God never will send you someplace where something doesn't have to be conquered. Read the Bible. Never send them. It's always send them into a battlefield uh, like crazy. Okay? So that's the point that I was making is that, is that your failure. Well, let me get back to the original story. Sorry. So, so they came back, and it says only two, only two spies came back with a good report. It says the ten said, we can't do this. And they said something strange. They said, the giants are so big that we are grasshoppers in their sight. Like they were over there interviewing the giants. Say, hey, how do we look to y'all? We all look like grasshoppers. Okay, well, we go back and tell them that. No, their mentality made them say something that the giants never said. They saw themselves this way because of how big the problem looked. And the scripture says only two, and Joshua Caleb said, hey, man, skip all that. They said, we are well able to take this land, well able. And you know the rest of the story. This is another lesson. I've got a lot of lessons. You know the rest of the story. Because the people were afraid and because they had a slavery mentality, instead of them being able to take that land, it says they wandered in the wilderness living off of miracles for the next 40 years. And guess what? Joshua and Caleb the two guys who had the right attitude were forced to live in the wilderness with them. There are, see, your prosperity will affect other people. 
but your poverty will affect other people also. Those two men had to suffer for 40 years because of the disobedience of the other 10. Okay? This is, this is very much so. Um, now, ministry and business is different. Ministry and so you can't, people keep trying to merge the two. They're not two. Ministry is not a business, and, and there's a business side of ministry, but it's not a business. And business is not a ministry, but there is a ministry side to business. But in ministry, sometimes that's the reason why you got to wait, because of the disobedience of somebody else. That's one of the reasons why I had to wait so long, because of other men and their disobedience. Okay, I can share some stories with you, you faint. Okay, and so, so, so keep that in mind. So, and then you remember, it says that whole generation died out. And when they died out, Joshua and Caleb went to Moses like, uh, hey, dude, uh, knock, knock. Uh, I know we're old. You remember what Caleb said? He said, I know I'm old now. He said, I'm 80. I think he said he said it was 80. He said, but I'm still strong enough, and I'm well able to still take this mountain. You remember what he said? Give me my mountain. He said, I've been waiting 40 years because of these old crazy beanheads that don't believe God for nothing. I've been sitting up here fuming, fire on the inside, walking around this old raggedy wilderness with these stupid people who just as dumb as a rock don't want to exercise faith for nothing. All they do is complain. Got me mad for 40 years. That man was burning. He was like, give me my mind or I'm going to kill somebody. Joshua and Caleb. And that's why, and then you see Joshua, that's why he dominated for the next 40 years. You know why? Because the fire of domination had been burning in him for 40 when he couldn't do it. Okay. So that's what I meant by, had he failed, see, so that's what I meant by the children of Israel failed for 40 years, but not because it was the will of God. It was because of their mentality. So they, the next generation ended up getting something 40 years later they were supposed to have 40 years prior. Which means that when Joshua came on the scene, they 40 years behind. Which is the reason why when he did it for 40 years, the Lord said, I still got much more because you were behind when you started in the first place. Y'all got me. Who Jesus. I mean, think about it. Our parents were behind. We behind. God trying to catch us up. I mean, why, why are you thinking the scripture says, I'll give you a harvest on stuff that you didn't sow. Somebody else sold it, but nobody reaped it. He said, well, I, I got to give you houses that you didn't build. Well, that was supposed to be your house. I mean, do y'all realize that y'all, how much stuff in your family tree has been sold into the kingdom of God that you got a blood right to that nobody received in your family? Well, I mean, they do that with natural inheritance. Your granddaddy dies. And when they find out, it don't matter if you didn't know your granddaddy. Because you are related to him by blood, they said you are entitled to his stuff because it has to be left to the bloodline. Well, how many of our relatives and grandmothers and mothers and great-grandmamas and all the type of stuff all the way through slavery and, and when it comes to African-Americans and other people from all the way from people that came from the UK to Ireland to Africa, how many of your relatives back then sold stuff and never got a harvest on it? And God is still saying, you got a right to all of it. It's stuff that's supposed to come to you now. Do you realize that it's some stuff that might be available to you from 200 years back, 400 years back, 800 years back? Why do you think even God said, he said, what you do is going to affect at least the next three, four generations. Okay. So, so this is the reason why in spite of your mistakes, God will help you. Okay. Now let me say this. I think I'm going to say this now. Um, now I'm awake. 
Galatians 4, 1 through 2. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differs nothing. Okay, so that was, I just finished the second sermon, so now we got the third one. I'm doing really good with this Bible. 